Hi everybody, this is Scott Walters and you are listening to another edition of the Walters Wanderings Travel Podcast. Today I come to you from my front porch to give you the full report on our recent trip to Disney World. I'll give you the good, the bad, and the ugly, although there wasn't too much that was ugly, except of course for paying some of the bills. (laughs) So let's get started right now with the good. The good is that we actually caught a reasonably decent week of weather. We only got rained on once. The high temperatures were only in the, I say only in the mid to upper 80s, and they weren't much higher than that. Today, where I am in New York, it was hotter and more humid than any day in Disney World. So the weather was really good. Our accommodations were at the Bay Lake Tower. The Bay Lake Tower is located adjacent to the Contemporary Resort. It is a Disney Vacation Club property, but they do have some rooms available for non-Disney Vacation Club members. So if you're interested, I can certainly hook you up with that. Uh, The biggest feature of the Bay Lake Tower is its location. It's located a 10-minute walk from the main gates of Disney World proper, the Magic Kingdom. It's also on the monorail loop. You take a short walk across into the Contemporary, and you can grab the monorail take you to either the Ticket and Transportation Center, the Polynesian Resort, the Grand Floridian, or to the Magic Kingdom. So you have some options there, which is really great. And also from the Ticket and Transportation Center, you can take the monorail over to Epcot. So you could do that. That was really, really a lifesaver. Our Epcot day was made much easier by the fact that we were much uh, able to take the monorail and not have to drive the car and park and walk and find the car later and all of that. So that was a great highlight, was the ability to use the monorail. The other highlight that was really, really good was this new mode of transportation that they have at Walt Disney World, which is called the Skyliner. So the Skyliner is basically a gondola ride. You might have seen the similar rides like this at amusement parks, and in fact both Disneyland and uh, Disney World had such a ride, but they've both been taken down over the course of the years. But the best thing about the Skyliner is it is very efficient transportation for you and your family to get from certain resorts to either the Hollywood Studios uh, Park or the Epcot Park. So if you stay at the Riviera Resort or you stay at the uh, Caribbean Beach Resort where the hub is for everything, or you stay at the Art of Animation and the uh, All Pop Century Resort, you can actually grab this thing, the Skyliner, it takes you up and over. Um, it's non-stop from the Caribbean Beach to go to Hollywood Studios. It's one stop from there to go to Epcot. If you're at the Riviera, it's non-stop to Epcot. It's uh, two stops to the Hollywood Studios, but again, it's very easy, and you're there within basically 10 minutes. Um, from the Art of Animation, it's three stops to Epcot, 15 minutes, two stops to Hollywood Studios, and that's 10 minutes and you're there. You're literally basically at the ticket window. Now the Epcot stop is in the back of Epcot at the International Gate, but they'll still let you in for your day at Epcot back there. You're just going to start back there instead of in the front by the big old ball. So that was another highlight and another really, really good thing about Disney this time. Also, Epcot, it was weird because it was good and it was weird. They're doing a whole, whole, whole lot of renovations and changes and modifications and they're spreading the pixie dust or whatever you want to call it at the Epcot. 
Um, they're building a new Guardians of the Galaxy ride. They're, that was where the Ellen's Energy Adventure was. Beside that, they have a new bubble they're calling Play, but they haven't uh, determined exactly what's in there. They're doing a new Ratatouille ride uh, in the France Pavilion, and they're also taking out both the Interventions East and West buildings, which used to hold things like character meetings, um, had had a little uh, quick service restaurant. There were other things that were great there, but uh, poof, they are gone. The problem is, of course, there is no shortcuts now at Epcot. You have to go the long way to get anywhere. Um, from the front of the park to the back, there used to be ways you could shortcut around to get from uh, one side to the other, from the land and the sea over to Test Track and Mission Space, but now you have to go the long way around to do that. Right now, except for the Ratatouille ride, the World Showcase is basically untouched, except, of course, for the Food and Wine Festival. The Food and Wine Festival is really nice this year. They've sort of pared it down. They used to be up to like 60 kiosks. Now they're about 40. Some are not opening until October 1st for the last six weeks of the Food and Wine. But uh, the stuff that we tasted from Food and Wine was really quite good. Uh, they have uh, several different things. They have a nice little passport thing. It can sort of mark uh, what you've had. Um, you can even get rewarded for e eating certain foods. Cheese, apparently, seems to be the big thing. Get five different cheeses at five different places, and you get a little cheesy prize for that. And then, of course, there's the wine and there's the beer that go along with it. Um, bring your wallet. Uh, get a gift card. Um, find a way to just, you know... Uh, maximize the yumminess with minimizing the cost and you'll be great. Um, the rides over at Epcot were basically walk-ons with the exception of Test Track and the Frozen Ride. Um, those rides had longer lines. We didn't do the Frozen Ride this time. It was not worth it for us to be in a line for 50 minutes because our kids are older. Um, just be aware that there are no fast passes now so if you have little children that are determined to be on the Frozen Ride you may have to wait so just be aware of that. Test Track had a 35-minute wait, and that was actually pretty accurate. But again, everything else was basically a walk-on in Epcot, which was not the case in either the Magic Kingdom or in Hollywood Studios, the two other parks we visited. And we'll get to those in a second. But Epcot really does have most of its charm. The new night show is very nice, although it's only staying until the end of September. Then they'll pre preview something and premiere it in time for the 50th anniversary. So um, if you are going between now and the end of September, you'll see the new show, the Summer Replacement Series, I call it. And then you'll be able to go, uh, if you're going after October, you'll see the new thing, which apparently is going to knock the socks off. Although, I must say, I did like the original Illumination show that I've seen many, many times. And don't forget, this might be your last time to go into Spaceship Earth. Uh, that is uh, narrated by Helen Mirren. Um, and uh, it was, of course, a nice nostalgic ride for us to go on Spaceship Earth one last time before leaving the park. So it was good time had by all at Epcot. We were able to get in everything basically we wanted to um, and do so without too much difficulty and uh, we had a good time. So the next park we went to was Hollywood Studios. Now the thing about Hollywood Studios is they have the new Star Wars section. I must tell you the attention to detail in the Star Wars section uh, even if you're not really a Star Wars fan it just may blow you away. Also, they have two rides there, the Millennium Falcon, which we didn't get on because the waits were just too long, and the Rise of the Resistance. Now, the Rise of the Resistance is a very unique and interesting ride. There's lots of Star Wars-type details. I almost cracked up one of the cast members because they asked me if I knew anything. I said, I know about my dinner reservation, and uh, she almost lost it. The rest of us in, in our little pod of people did lose it, 
but she almost lost it. But we go on the rise of the resistance, but you have to do what's called a virtual queue. This is one of the things Disney's uh, doing now to see about uh, crowd control and all. So you get two chances to do it. The first chance is at 7 in the morning. And when I say 7 in the morning, literally 7 in the morning. You start in on your My Disney Experience. You make sure that everyone in your party is in the link. You go to the virtual queue and you go and tap. And it says it's not open till 7. Then you go tap out of it. You tap in, tap out, tap in, out, in, out, in, out. 7 o'clock comes, you tap in and... Well, we didn't get it at 7 o'clock. It was like 7 o'clock and 15 seconds, and all the morning slots were filled. So what we did, we were in the park at 1 o'clock. But what I found out is, you don't, if, all you have to do is check into the park before 1 o'clock. So if you want to go back for lunch at your resort or you want to go somewhere else, just check in before 1 o'clock, and you'll be able to go ahead and take care of the reservation at 1 o'clock. The 1 o'clock is much easier to get into because the demand is less. And we were in the park, and everyone around us was hooting and hollering. They got their Rise of the Resistance uh, time, uh, and then I, hoot, uh, I hooted and I hollered also when I got ours. But we had to wait until almost 6 o'clock until we got to the ride. Because, again, they do these boarding things, and they tell you by groups. But you go in, and you wander through, and it's really quite nice. Um, it's, again, Star Wars-themed everywhere. You have these people. You know, they're great, you know, they, they, are, they are great cast members that are in character. It's really a tremendous ride. Uh, to me, not as good as Flight of Passage over at the Animal Kingdom, but it comes in within my top five rides at Disney World because it is that good. But the big problem at Hollywood Studios is the main attraction rides, Slinky Dog, the Tower of Terror, the Rock and Roller Coaster, and the Millennium Falcon. All day long, the waits were over an hour. They did not go under an hour until the very end of the day. It was really, really, really tough and disheartening that the four rides you can't get on unless you want to wait an hour or more. Sinking Dog was two hours at one point, and my, my wife says to me, Are you kidding? Two hours for that? I go, Hon, what can I tell you? And here's the reason why. First of all, first reason, no fast passes. Second reason, some of the other attractions are not open that suck away the crowds. The Beauty and the Beast show is not opening until next week, um, and that's at least 500 people, five or six or seven times a day. The uh, Little Mermaid show with the uh, Ariel, that's about 500 people, and that's every 25 minutes. So that's like, you know, that's a thousand people an hour. The Indiana Jones show, that's about six or seven hundred people five times a day. That's another 3,000 people that are not uh, able to go to the show. And then the Frozen sing-along is not uh, currently uh, being shown or being done. And that's another 500 people times five or six performances a day. So what happens? People have to go somewhere else. Where do they go? They go to the rides. Which rides do they go to? Well, you know, I just told you. So it's kind of a bother. The rest of the park was fine. We got to see all kinds of different things. And we ate dinner at the Hollywood and Vine. It was okay. It wasn't great. Um, we had character interaction, which was okay. It wasn't great. Um, because the characters stay away with about six feet or so. Um, the food was okay. It wasn't great. But, uh, you know, you have to go ahead and do it. But the thing is, it's a price-fixed meal. So the value is not there. To be honest, the value was not there for that. Not for the prices we have to pay for our Disney adults, all five of us. So, so again, we have to wait for the dining plan to kick in at some point. 
we need to get the fast passes back. But other than that, so far, not horrible, but let's just say it's not the same thing. Then we went to the Magic Kingdom, and again, some of the same complaints. Space Mountain, although my two oldest kids went on it, um, they had a 35-minute wait, so they managed to go over there near the end of the day. So Space Mountain had the big wait. Um, Splash Mountain had a big wait. Big Thunder Railroad had a big wait. The Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride had a big wait. So again, the Jungle Cruise had a big wait. All these rides that we know and love had big waits. Now, there are less shows and all, but there's no parade to do crowd suckage in the afternoon. They have the cavalcades, which are very short parades. So basically, you're in a position to where if a cavalcade comes, a few people get to see it, but there's no suckage of crowd to one location. The parade, even in the middle of the afternoon, you were able to go ahead and take in two rides, perhaps, during the time it take, took for people to do their thing, get in place, watch the parade, and scoot. We don't have that right now. And again, no fast passes. It's brutal out there with no fast passes. But we did do all the great things that uh, otherwise Magic Kingdom is known for. We did the People Mover, Carousel of Progress, Buzz Lightyear. We went to the comedy floor. My wife was unwittingly the star of the show. It wasn't her fault, just that's where she was sitting. Um, then we <laughs> we also uh, did other things. We rewrote some other rides. We got to see the castle. We saw some of the fireworks. Um, we did Small World, Peter Pan, um, so forth and so on. The Haunted Mansion. We were stuck in there for a while. I thought maybe the lights would turn on, but they didn't quite do that. But it was a good day at the Magic Kingdom. But again, when the big four or five rides have these huge, huge weights, it stinks to high heaven. We also ate at the Plaza Restaurant, which is located at the top of Main Street, USA. You get a direct view of the castle if you're in the right table. We had dinner there. It wasn't bad at all. It's um, regular a la carte type dining, so you're not paying a price fixed thing, which the value w would not have been there if there was. But I had a banana split, which because I could, it was vacation. My wife had crab cakes. They were too small to have any taste, alas. My uh, one daughter had loaded fries. She liked those a lot. My other daughter had the uh, roast beef au jus. She liked that a whole lot. My son had a turkey club. He liked that a whole lot. Um, a couple milkshakes, stuff like that. So it was a good meal had by all. And uh, the pricing was under $100, including tip, which for Disney is a really, that's like a victory right there. So that takes care of that. And then we had one other meal on site because we have a full kitchen when we are in our villa at the uh, Disney Vacation Club property. So we went to Chef Mickey's, and Chef Mickey's is a little different. There is no buffet at Chef Mickey's, which of course stinks, because I love to go to a buffet, and I love to choose my food, and I love to choose how much. They bring it out to you family style, which is good and bad. The good part is, is they, they do bring you out plenty of food. The bad part is you might not like the food you get. My wife doesn't like scrambled eggs. She likes over easy eggs. And because there's less staff, they couldn't get her the over-easy eggs, which is kind of a bummer. So there was that, and they, they brought out the Mickey waffles, which were good. They brought out Mickey pancakes, which were okay. They brought out uh, banana bread French toast, which is kind of weird. They brought out some really excellent um, cheesy hash browns with Parmesan crisp in the shape of a Mickey head. And that was really good. We got seconds on that. Um, they leave you a pot of coffee, so we had enough coffee. They, they refilled the other drinks as needed to be. It was, it was fine. And the characters come out, and they, again, they're socially distanced, so they're about six feet or so away. 
So, um, you know, we had some photo ops with the Fab Five. Uh, Donald Duck is back at Chef Mickey's after being fired earlier. Obviously, people forgot about that. So, that's who you get. You get all the Fab Five. You get Minnie, Mickey, Goofy, Pluto, and Donald. Um, and it was okay. Again, $45 a person. No, $42 a person, I'm sorry, for adults. Probably would have been better if it was 35 I would have paid that. But I had to pay 42 I'll say would have made me do dishes. So that's that. That's the restaurants. Now, um, the biggest ugly part, of course, is the drive to Florida and back, because that's what we chose to do. But you have to understand there's going to be some suckage there. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from my driving to Florida and back is you have to avoid I-95 southbound in South Carolina at all costs. Oh, my Lord. First of all, it's hellaciously long. After Florida, South Carolina is the longest part of I-95 in the whole country. So you're doing more mileage to begin with. That's the first thing. The second thing, it's a two-lane road, and people do not follow the adage of lead, follow, and get out of the way. Which is like, oh, come on, people. Please, please, please. Lead, follow, get out of the way. Nope, they don't do that. So we were stuck in South Carolina, which would be a three-hour drive when we do it in the middle of the night when we're not uh, doing it during the daytime like we were and uh, it turned out to be like five hours and it was just, it was hellacious it was just a pain in the butt so that's the worst part driving otherwise was fine the even even I four in uh, Orlando it was typical but it wasn't horrible I've seen it worse um, we went down we took a detour to pick up two of our kids down to the Maryland shore on the Delmarva. So we had the pleasure of going across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, which was really cool. I liked it. And then we had to detour across and go down I-95. We stayed overnight in North Carolina. We woke up. We, we got moving and grooving. And like I said, South Carolina, just come on, people. Behave, will you? And uh, on the way back, we took a different routing because we visited friends right near Charlotte. So on the way back, we took I-81 through Virginia. That's a long road too, I hate to tell you. Between I-77 to I-81, that's a, over 300 miles. It's like, oh my gosh, is this going to end? Well, it did when we got to West Virginia. But um, otherwise, it was fine. Gas mileage was good. Gas prices, New York was the cheapest until I got down to South Carolina. What can I tell you? Uh, it was cheaper than Florida. I don't know why. But there you go. It was all, But it was all good. Um, we stayed in budget, I think. The wife uh, did not tell me I overspent. The wife did not tell me she overspent. We were able to take advantage of our uh, vacation club uh, property. Again, we went to the Bay Lake Tower. I highly recommend it. I think the Bay Lake view is probably better than the theme park view, unless you're at a higher um, floor. We were on the sixth floor, so it was okay. But it wasn't super, super duper. If we were on the twelfth floor, we'd probably be going, ooh, ah, wow, more at our theme park view. Uh, Bay Lake View is beautiful, though, and uh, hopefully the top of the Tower Lounge will be open um, for the Vacation Club members in the future. Right now it's closed because of the COVID. A uh, few things are closed at Disney World because of the COVID. As I mentioned, some of those attractions are. Some of the shops still are. Bibbidi Boppity Boutique, not happening. Barbershop, not happening. Some other things, not happening. Character meet and greets, you're not going to get close, and the ones that involve princesses and whatnot are not happening. So, again, just note all these things. Keep your expectations a little low. 
um, and know that um, you know it's still a great place to go. So that'll do it for this edition of the Walters Wanderings Travel Podcast. My name is Scott Walters, and you can find me all over social media. Just look, search Walters Wanderings Travel on Facebook, Walters Wanderings Travel on Instagram. You can get to me at Scott at WaltersWanderingsTravel.com. You can call me 845-558-1225. Or you can send an email, guess where? Scott at WaltersWanderingsTravel.com. So next time we'll have someone on with me. I'm going to try and lasso a guest or two. Because we're starting season three. This is episode one of season three. And so I look forward to many, many more great episodes of the Walters Wanderings Travel Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Take care, everyone. Have a great day.